Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you here today, uh, this August weekend. I hope God has, has blessed you through this series of messages. I hope that you're growing as a result. But we're wrapping this up today. This is it as we talk about future prophetic events that bring about the end of the age and step us into a brand new world. And we've talked about the rapture of the church. We've talked about the great tribulation period. We talked a little bit about the great white throne judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, <clears throat> all of these things. If you have not been a part of these messages, I strongly recommend you go and you look, the, look at these messages online. But today I'm excited about what we're talking about today as we talk about the final destination of every person that has believed in and put their faith in Christ. I want to talk to you about eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, and thank you, Lord, for your presence that we already feel here today. Lord, as we lean into this word and as as we dive into the meaning of what it is to live in a brand new world, I pray, God, that it brings hope and it raises our sense of awareness and a sense of emergency that we need to bring more people to you. So bless us as we're a part of this worship today, and may we honor you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, this is your destiny. Jesus talks a lot about the new heaven and the new earth, and the Bible talks a lot about the new heaven and the new earth He talks about our eternal destination. The Bible that talks about all the things that we've learned talks about eternal destination of of heaven and hell. And As we talked about last week, the message of hell is a message of warning that that if you never come to a place where you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that there is altercations to that. But the message of heaven is one for the next life of hope in the next life. But let me ask you a question. When we talk about heaven, what are images that come to mind? Because I don't think that we can really imagine, and we haven't done it justice in, in the way that we, we consider and how we try to put together images of heaven. What do you think of? Do you think of babies flapping around with wings, naked babies flapping around with wings? And do you think of angels in long white robes with harps walking around? Do you think of yourself when we say you're going to heaven? Do you think of yourself in a long white robe and a, and a harp with a couple of small wings on the back walking around? What do you think of? Do you think of, of, of 1980s gold and white decor, like, you know, what that looks like in really nice houses, lots of gold, you know, heart? Is that what you think of? Well, I want to tell you something. The Bible says that you can't even begin to go there with your mind. It is so extraordinary. It is something like that, that you've never seen before. What is the most beautiful place that you've ever been to on this earth? Think of it for a second. What is the most beautiful place you've ever been to? A few years back, I had the privilege to go to Maui, Hawaii. Has anybody ever been to Maui, Hawaii? That's the most beautiful place I've ever been to. Uh, We were there, and we were eating at a restaurant, and we wanted to get away from the tourism type of feel. So we said, hey, we asked this guy that was our waiter, hey, where do you take your family? What's the best beach to go here in Maui? And he said, listen, there's this place 11 miles from here, and it's called Slaughterhouse Bay. And I'm thinking to myself, do I really want to go there? It was a fishing community way back when where they, you know, where they would clean fish. But it was called Slaughterhouse Bay. And he says, you go down. He tells us how to get there. So we go 11 miles out of town. At the end of this S-curve, there's this, this stairway right in the middle of nowhere on this highway. And he says, 
He says, take that staircase down, and it's not going to look like a beach, but just trust me, you're going to walk for a while. So we, we, got, we took that S-curve, parked, turned around, got, you know, where are we kind of a deal? Found this staircase down this embankment, kind of like this, this mountain. So we stepped and stepped and stepped and stepped and got down to the bottom, and then there was nothing, and then we walked through this kind of a jungle, and it was this small trail, you know, ducking through branches and going through here, and like a half a mile, we walked, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. I think I, you know, I think I got played here. So I walked, and, and all of a sudden, as we get to the end of that path, it opened up to the most beautiful beach I've ever seen in my life. You've heard of white sand beaches. This was a black sand beach because of the, the volcanic rock that was around, and it was, it was mixed in the sand. And then you look to the left, and it was like something from the movie Jurassic Park. This beach had, had cliffs and rocks and mountains and caves into the side of the wall. And then you look out in, into this, this small, beautiful beach that, that, that into the bluest water. I don't know if you've ever seen the water of Hawaii, but it's blue. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm sitting there on the beach. I'm laid back on my towel. I'm sitting there with my virgin margarita and I'm thinking to myself I wonder if this is what heaven is going to look like according to the scripture I mean the best that this world has to offer is still cursed I mean the very best that what you can see in this life is still a cursed world and first Corinthians 2 and 9 It says the scripture, this is what the scripture means when it says, no eye has seen. Okay, we hadn't seen it. No ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The reason that we don't have good images of heaven is because your mind can't even begin to go there. You can't even begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like. But Revelation 21 and 1 gives us a little bit of description. So let me read that just a little bit, and then we're going to break that down. Go back and talk about it just a little bit more and talk a little bit about what it is going to be like to be in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation 21 and 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down, From God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. And he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look. I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is is trustworthy and true. And he also said, this is it. It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit all of these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. So let's, let's unpack this and talk about what it's gonna be like to live in a new heaven and a new earth. First of all, it's gonna be a whole new world. The first verse there says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. It says that there's no more sea. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said this, he said that the earth 
will pass away. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Second Peter 3 and 10 says, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear. It's going to be brand new. He's not just going to renovate the earth. It's going to be brand new. The earth as it is will be a foundation for what God is going to do. The earth is not going to disintegrate and explode, but it's going to be taken down to its foundation because he's going to renovate it. I think it's interesting that it says that there's not going to be any more sea. I don't know exactly what he means by that, but I believe that the continents will come together because water, if you think about it, two-thirds of the earth is separated by salt water. Two-thirds of the earth is uninhabitable. We can't even use it. We can just swim in it. I believe he's going to bring the continents together because of the, 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 the mass of the city that's coming down. But, but he's, going to bring, he's going to bring about a whole new earth and a whole new heaven. If you were to walk over into the old part of our facility, we're renovating that, and that's a, an ongoing process. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to be over into our kids' area, but if you go over there and you remember what it was like to have church over there, I guarantee you look at that and you think, how in the world did we have church in this place? Have you, have you guys experienced that? You think, man, how in the world did we get everything? Man, we did it. We did it for a long time, 18, 17 years. And you walk over there and it's, it's really nice, but it's been renovated. And as soon as you step into the new facility, you think, oh, 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 oh okay, I, this, is, this is brand spanking new. I believe that's what it's going to be like, that we are going to have a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, and it's going to, it's going to be so more elaborate, so extraordinary over the old heaven and the old earth. So it's going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. Number two, the Bible says, a new Jerusalem comes down to earth. Now I'm saying this because, well, let me just read it. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down. Now, a lot of people think that we are going to spend eternity in heaven, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is a city called the new Jerusalem that's coming down, and we're going to inhabit the earth for eternity. We're going to rule and reign. This is where this takes place. We don't live together forever in the heavens. Hebrews 11.10 was talking about Abraham. He says that Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. God is literally building a city. This is not, he's not metaphorically speaking about a holy city. This is a very real city that's, that's going to be coming down. He's planned it, he's designed it, he's building it. Jesus references this in John 14 and 2. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself where, where, where you and I, you may be, where I am, you may be also. God is the planner. God is the contractor, if you will. And Jesus is preparing that place. If you think about it, just think for a second. Before Jesus was 30 years old, now we know that Jesus started his ministry somewhere about 30 years old. But you remember what he did for trade? For the first experience, for the first 30 years of his life, what did he do? He was a carpenter. Could it be possible? And I know that, that Jesus doesn't have to come down here on earth as an assignment to, to figure out what he wants to do on earth. But could it be that, that the Father wanted him to experience what it was like to, do, to be building down here? I really believe that your assignment here on earth 
is preparing you for the next life? Could it be that whatever you've done or prepared for your life and whatever you're doing right now is preparing you for what you're going to do and how you're going to serve in the next life? It is a very real city that is being prepared, being built by God. Revelation 21 and 10 is the description of the new Jerusalem. It gets plain with with the description. He says, he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me this, this holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundational stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. When he measured it, he found that it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and its, length and its width were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found that they were 216 feet thick, according to human standard. Just in case you think that this was spiritual and symbolism, in parentheses, it says, according to human standards. These are very real measurements. The wall was made of jasper. The city was pure gold, as clear as glass. It is a physical place with very real measurable dimensions. Think about that for a second. 1,400 miles square. If you were to place this city in the United States, it would take up over three-fourths of our nation's space. And think about how tall 1,400 miles is. That's how big this massive city is. There are at least 12 different stones and jewels embedded within the walls and the foundations and the gates of the city. The city is made of gold. Now, I want you to just let that sink in for a second. The very nicest, the most expensive, most beautiful houses that we have, what are they made of? What are are they made of? I mean, if you can make your house and pick out any materials for the outside, for the veneer, usually it's some kind of stone, it's some kind of brick. What do we make the foundations out of? Mortar. Masonry. So the very nicest homes, and the, I mean, whatever we want, it's made out of mortar, brick, the foundation's made out of, uh, of a man-made material, mortar, or whatever. But in that new city, foundations are made by the most precious things. Think about what, right now, things that are precious to us. If you have a gold ring, you don't have massive amounts of gold. You have, you know, that's, that's small. You keep that on your finger. You lock that up in your safe at night or whatever when you take it off. If you have a diamond, I mean, if it's really nice and really expensive, it's about the size of your pinky fingernail. But that's not the way the new city is going to be. The, most thing, the things that we consider the most precious of stones and metals are going to be building materials in heaven. It's like, hey, we need some footing over here. Can you bring the diamonds and the rubies and all the, can you bring all that? Hey, we need to decorate. We need to build a house. Can you bring the, can you bring the truck fulls of gold? I don't know if they have trucks. But bring all the gold and bring all the, we need to build a house. We need some foundational materials. We need rubies and, and sapphires and We need some gates. We need an extra gate over here. Can you bring one great big massive pearl? Because the Bible says that's what the gates of the city are made of, one enormous pearl. 
It reminds me of the story of the guy that saved up hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and he had it in a great big safe in his house and he began to pray throughout his life, Lord, let me take my gold to heaven. Lord, I pray that I want to take this with me because I want to decorate my mansion in heaven with all of the gold that I've accumulated. This is why I've accumulated, not to be greedy, but I want to take it to, to heaven and decorate my mansion. And he arrives and there is the attended angel and he looks around. He said, you know what? I, I, where's my gold? I, I prayed that God would, would let me take my gold with me. Why, sir? Because I want to decorate my mansion with gold. I'm really, yeah, I'm really disappointed. He said, look, man. The angel looked at him and he said, look, man, we'll give you all the gold that you want. But why in the world would you want to decorate your mansion with street pavement? That's what it's going to be like in the new heaven. Things that we consider the most precious metals and the most precious stones will be just like building materials. It's going to be one of the most extraordinary places that you've ever seen. The site of the new Jerusalem will be one of the most breathtaking, beautiful, colorful views. Number three, description of heaven. And this is my favorite part. We will forever be together and we will forever be with God. Together, forever, together with God. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17, it says, We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Encourage one another with these words. Together with each other. You know, my grandfather, the, my, my fondest memories of my grandfather are when he was in his 60s. It's kind of like when you, when you have your grandparents with you, your, all of your memories is when they're older. That's what you remember. But can you imagine walking around in a new heaven and a new earth, and your grandparents are the same age as you. Everybody's the same age. You have relationships and friendships with people, and everybody is the same age. What do you think of when you think of this? What do you think will be like? What do you think of, and what do you think our lives will be like in eternity? I mean, it's not like we're just going to be floating around, walking around, doing nothing. We have assignments in the next life. One of the most incredible concepts to me is that we will forever be with God. He will be with us and we will be with, and we will be with him. He is our God and we are his people. So you will have conversations with God. You will have meetings with God. Can you imagine that? God, uh, can, I have a, about, can I have a little bit of 15, can I have 15 minutes with you? There won't be any time or space. But can I have, just, can I have a, a moment of your time, Lord? And you'll sit down or you'll be strolling through heaven with God. Travis, what's wrong with you? You're not saying anything. Well, I'm just having this surreal moment here because, you know, you are God and you are God. (laughs) What is that going to be like to walk with the Lord Jesus, to, to sit down and talk with him? The Bible talks about the fact that we will be worshiping with angels the Bible talks about that there are at least four activities, so we just think, well, we're just kind of floating around in time and space. The Bible says we're going to be singing and worshiping. There's going to be constant worship in heaven. There's going to be serving. We will rule and reign a peaceful earth. You will have an assignment. Number three, there's going to be learning. Imagine an eternity of having aha and mind-blowing moments. The Bible says we only know in part, but in there we're going to know and understand everything and my favorite part, in heaven, there's going to be lots and lots of eating. Revelation 20 says, talks about the marriage supper of the lamb. It talks about a tree of life. That, that, and, and then there's going to be leaves of a tree that we're going to eat 
And it's going to bring healing to the nations. There's going to be a river of life that we'll drink from. I don't know, maybe the tree is and the tree of life and, and the river of life, maybe that is to keep us immortal. I don't know how that works, but there's going to be eating in heaven. It's going to be eternally with God. And lastly, the Bible tells us that heaven and new earth, it's going to be a place where there will be no more tears and no more death. You know, if you think about what makes us, you know, when you get older, as you know, when you're younger, you cry a lot when you're, when you're a kid. But as you get older, you don't really cry much as a guy. If you cry a lot and you're a guy, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> what are you crying about, man? I'm, I'm kidding. I can't speak for you or why you cry. But at 50 years old, I can't think of any reason that I tear up except for maybe people getting saved or something. You know, when we are first... Sunday here at church, I might have teared up a little bit. I might have shed a tear. But another thing is, is goodbyes make me tear up. I hate goodbyes. Last year, I had to say goodbye to my mother that passed away. Uh, throughout years, I've had to say goodbye to people that I loved at funerals. I've, I've lost two brothers and a sister, all younger than I am, throughout my lifetime. I had to say goodbye to my, my grandfather. That was very, very hard for me to say goodbye. There's, there's been deaths that I had to say goodbye to people. This past week, I had to say goodbye to one of my favorite nephews who passed away at 29 years old. That was very hard for me to say goodbye. It was very hard. I was, I was looking at him, and he, he, you know, he's pretty much out of it. I was looking at him in a hospital bed, thinking to myself, gosh, and I was watching his mom talk to him. This is the hardest thing of life, saying goodbye. Not just that, goodbyes, you know, your kids grow up and, and they move away. I mean, if I could have my way, I'd, I'd go by like, you know, 50 acres and I'd plant my kids all around me. So you guys stay right here. Everybody's staying right here. We're all going to stay together. I don't like that. That's the toughest thing about having to say goodbye and kids move away. In three weeks, my daughter Savannah is going to Europe for a year. For a year, not just like down to Texas, the longest we've ever been apart is two weeks. We are always together. She works with me or lives nearby. Always. I'm about to say goodbye to her for a year. That is not, I am not taking this well. Okay, she's going to be on a mission trip. You know, she's going into God's will. Okay, okay. Lighten up, Travis. You, you trained her for this her whole life. It's not easy, but one of these days, one of the wonderful things about heaven is there's not going to be any more tears because of death or goodbyes. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 42, it talks about the resurrection in our new bodies. It says, in the same way with the resurrection of, death, of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. But they will be raised to life forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness. Our bodies are buried in disease and sickness and the curse of death. But they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Second Corinthians 5 and 1 says, For we know that when our earthly bodies are a tent, 
we live, we live in is taken down. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Listen, listen to what he says here about our bodies. He says, and this, as you get older, you understand this a little bit more. Some of you guys are like in your 20s. You know, you don't, what? You know, earthly bodies, who cares? I, as you get older, you appreciate these scriptures a little bit more. He says, in our bodies, we grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not, listen, we will not be spirits without bodies. We're not going to walk around as spirits. We're going to have bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh when we wake up in the morning. But it's not that we want to die. We don't want to die. It's not about that and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. I want you to think about that. Think about what it's going to be like to have a glorified body. Now, because of my lifestyle throughout my years, I've always been a little bit immature, and it seems like for years I've always walked around with some kind of injury, something that I tried to do that I shouldn't have done, you know, walk around with a, a boot on the, my ankle for springing my ankle for doing something that I shouldn't have done. Just, just always something. I've always got some kind of injury going. I'm standing up here right now, and I'm constantly dealing with a little bit of pain in my neck for a bad decision that I made in Maui about diving off a cliff. I should have never done that. And I knew that as soon as I hit the water. I shouldn't have done that. I pay, I have dearly paid for that. I've always got something. But this is something brand new that started to happen to me just a couple of years ago. Sleep-related injuries. What is with that? Wake up in the morning and can't turn your head to the right. Like, what did I do in the middle of the night? You know, wake up in the morning, go to bed, feel a great wake up going, whoa, what is going on with my back? I mean, I, I wake up in the morning and my knees hurt. Why do my knees hurt when I wake up in the morning, middle of the night? I got to just, until I get to my closet. What is that? Sleep-related injuries. It's like I went to sleep and an earthquake happened and things fell out of the ceiling and hit me all night long. Wake up, with, you know, with a little red mark on the side of my forehead. What did I do in the middle of the night? I'm sleeping in my bed alone. What is going on? Anybody have sleep-related injuries? That's all going to change. That's part of this life. You're born, you maximize in health, and then you start dying. Do whatever you want to do. Nip it, tuck it, you know, suck it back, or whatever you got to do. It's coming. It's coming. It's just a part of life. Our bodies begin to die. It's just a part of life. Fight it as much as you can. I am. I'm not going out into the night ever so whatever. I'm, I'm fighting it all I can, but it still happens. It's a part of life. My grandfather used to say it like this. My Italian grandfather. No, it was more like this. Son, you learn to live with a little bit of pain. It ain't going to hurt you. You know, that's, that's the life that we live in, that you learn to live with a little bit of pain. But I'm going to tell you something. One of these days in the next heaven and the next earth, there's not going to be any more pain or suffering. We're going to have a brand new body without pain, without injury, without sickness, without disease. It reminds me of this Amish family that comes, that went to the mall for the very first time. He had never been to a mall. He had never been with his, with his family at a mall. And 
he was standing there and he saw this door open. He, it was actually an elevator. He had never seen an elevator. He actually saw it count down from 10, 10, 9, 8. And all of a sudden, the door opens and two really pretty women walk off the elevator. And he's like, what in the world is that about? And then he sees this grandma that very slowly walks and gets in this elevator. And the doors close. And he's thinking, where is she going? And, what? and then it counts up to 10. And then it stops and pauses at 10. Then it counts backwards 10, 9, 8, all the way to 1. And when it gets to one, the doors ding and they open. And this really pretty woman gets off this elevator. So he looks over to his son. He goes, hey, go get your mother. (laughs) We long for our glorified bodies. And 1 John 3 and 2 says, dear friends, we already, we're already God's children. We already have the hope of salvation. But he hasn't yet told us or shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. He says this, we don't know. We don't know what we will be like. Go, go to the next one. Go. We don't know what we will be like for we will see him as he is. We don't know. Let me read that again. But we do know. You guys mix me. I'm just like, that didn't even make any sense. I'm not, a, we do, okay? We do know that we will be like him. We do know that we will be like him. We don't know. He hasn't revealed us what it's going to be like to have immortal bodies, but we do know that we will be like him. So what was it like to be Jesus? For 30 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, he walked around on earth and he appeared to people. For 30 days, he would appear. And here's what we found out. We know that we ate. We know that he ate with his disciples. He ate real food. He ate fish. He broke bread. We also know that he wasn't limited to time or space. He was able to appear in rooms through walls and, and, and through, through locked gates. He would just appear and he would disappear. We also know that, that, we also know that he, he was recognized, that, that people knew that it was him. The Bible says that we will be known and we will be known as we are here. But we have glorified immortal bodies. We will be like Jesus. As I said before, the older I get, the more I'm excited about this. First of all, it's not just because I'm getting, I love living, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not, boy, I wish I could just die and go be in heaven. No, no, I, I love the life that God has given to me. It's not just about that. It's more, the more I understand about the next life. The more that I read the scripture and understand these things, the more I can see that it's so much better than it is today. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, Travis, why are you telling me about this? Why do I need to know this? What's, 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 what's the reason you're telling me this? First of all, I want to give you a hope. The message of heaven is one of hope. You know, I see a lot of people that go through life, they go through this life, they don't feel at home. I want to tell you something. You are not at home. The Bible talks about us being aliens, A stranger in a strange land. This is not our home. We're only passing through. And we are given a hope about the next life. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, he says, We want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. There are precious, precious people in this life that have suffered. And and maybe your life has been wonderful throughout your lifetime. And he came that we had have abundant life. But I've seen people that, that this life was a real struggle. 
I've walked through lives with people. My, my, my brothers and sisters, they didn't make it to 30 years old. It was like, man, they were just not cut out for this life. Some people struggle and struggle and struggle. But what I, let me tell you this. This world is not our home. God has given us a life. And you can have everything that you want in this life. But just remember, if it doesn't all work out, if it's not what you think it is, and if you struggle, there are people that live this entire life diseased, and they pray for healing, and it never comes. But let me give you a hope that this life is not it. It gets better. No matter what your state of life is, no matter what a struggle it might be, it gets better. And I want to give you that hope, that message of heaven. Jesus, in the opening chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus talks to John. John has witnessed and experienced the martyrdom of all of his Christian brothers, the disciples. He walked with Jesus. He lived longer than any of the other disciples. They finally put him, they try to kill him. They put him in a scalding, boiling, boiling bowl of, of, of uh, oil, and it doesn't kill him. He miraculously survived. So since they can't kill him, they, they exile him to the island of Patmos, and that's where he writes this, this book of Revelation. But Jesus says to him, as he's in the presence of God, he looks at John, and he says, John, come up here. I, I like that. He says, I know you're having, it's kind of like, hey, John, I know life is hard. I know it's tough. I know it's a struggle. And I know you're suffering. And I know that there are churches that are suffering. I know that there are families that are suffering. But John, come up here because I want to give you a heavenly perspective. Let me show you my perspective of where this goes. A heavenly perspective. John, it gets better. Life isn't always easy. Life can be tough. You may not understand. You may not understand why I didn't come back in your lifetime. You may not understand why your brothers had to be martyred. You don't understand all that, but if I can just take you somewhere, if you'll just come up here, I'm going to show you a heavenly perspective. I believe a lot of times that we get so bogged down in our lifetimes and our perspective of this Life and all the things that are going on and all of our suffering and all of our struggle and all these things that are happening to us that we can lose our heavenly perspective. Can I say this to you? Hey, come up here. Come up here and just for a second see what God has in store for you in the next life. I want to give you hope. It gets better. The second thing that I want to do is I want to remind you to take as many people as you can to heaven. I want you to have that hope. I want you to think about that. It's come, but I want you to take as many people as possible with you. That's why we have a church. That's why when you go through growth track, we say, hey, look, you're going to have to lose that attitude of churches about you. We're going to ask you to serve. We're going to challenge you to serve. We're going to give you a job. We're going to put you in a place where God can you, because we know We know that when you serve God, you're at that sweet spot of where God wants you to be and you experience fulfillment. You experience the true peace of God. That's why we baptize people. That's why we give invitations. Last service, somebody got saved. I don't know exactly, but some people got saved. The last service last week, about four people got saved. Every week, people are getting saved. Sometimes people may not raise their hands, but I know that God is dealing with people. This is why we do what we're doing. This is why we get all dressed up on Sunday morning, come down here, because we're all about filling up heaven and emptying hell. Amen? We got to take as many people as possible. Listen, on the, in the back of your mind, 
in the back of your mind when you go to your job every day. You need to be thinking that in the back of your mind. That's why I wear this bracelet every single day that says reach one. It reminds me. I'm not going to walk around and say, dude, you're going to hell. Get saved. I'm not talking about that. But it reminds me that I'm going to develop relationships with people that I come in contact with because I need to know whether or not you have that hope. And plus, I want to take as many people possible. I want to get to heaven and look around at all the people that that had the opportunity to come to know Christ as a result of my life. Listen. Yes, have that hope. Yes, trust in God. Be excited about the future. But remember, we want to take as many people as possible. Amen? That's the hope and the message of heaven. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you for speaking to our hearts. And thank you for ministering to everyone right as we are. Lord, this message of heaven for hope and I pray for people today that maybe they have not experienced that message of hope so I pray right now that you will deal with people maybe people that don't know you that that have not surrendered their lives to you may we all come to a place where where we have this hope in the next life and Father I pray that you will encourage us today Right now, I pray for the believer. I pray for the people of Faith Co. Church. May we walk with an eternal perspective of where we're going. No matter what we deal with today, good, bad, whatever it is, there is a next world coming, and it's extraordinary, and it's not that far away. May we keep that perspective, and may we also remember that there is a world that needs to experience this hope and they will experience through your church. May we remember that in the name of Jesus. This is not just about us. This is about a world that needs the hope of heaven.